0: Head on over to morgandwilliams.com newsletter and put in your best email to get first in line for valuable resources that I share on how you can fill your calendar with sales meetings and your pipeline with opportunities. Now, let's start today's show. We all know that it's important to personalize our outreach to increase reply rates and meeting book rates, that you should make your messaging relevant, personalized, and provide context for what's going on in your prospect's world. So why don't we always personalize our messaging every time we reach out to a prospect? One word, time. It takes time to research an individual, company, and industry. It takes time to put together a creative way for getting their attention. It takes time to elegantly connect your solution to their pain points so that you can make working with you and your company a no-brainer. Why should you spend your time creating the perfect message for someone who statistically won't reply? How do you figure out where to start? How much time you should actually spend doing this? And how do you determine which information is actually important? Well, my guest today is the Chief Revenue Officer of a sales development agency that specializes in researching accounts for sales organizations. During this episode, you'll learn his exact methodology, the tools his team uses, and his process for finding the right information about the right prospects as quickly as possible. If you're looking for a way to get that one prospect's attention who never responds, or you need a way to start getting responses and meetings in general and quickly, listen to this episode. By the end of this episode, you'll know exactly how to do prospect research that makes your outreach stand out from the crowd get noticed and start generating sales conversations. You're not going to want to miss this one. Stay tuned.
1: What if you knew exactly how to use cold email, LinkedIn, the phone, and other sales channels to get new meetings and customers for your B2B product or service? Morgan Williams is an enterprise sales rep that's obsessed with cold outreach. If you're sick and tired of fluff, theory, and general advice on how to sell to cold prospects from people who haven't sold anything in the past 20 years, and instead want detailed, tactical, step-by-step instruction, this is the podcast for you each week he'll interview salespeople consultants and entrepreneurs about actual outbound sales campaigns they've run with real numbers and results each conversation will be a deep dive into deconstructing a specific campaigns results as well as the strategy behind it you'll get the opportunity to peek behind the curtain and see what's actually working now in cold outreach welcome Welcome to to outbound Outbound Metrics. metrics
0: Mark Colgan is the CRO of TaskDrive. Your SDRs and AEs shouldn't be spending 40% of their time on research. TaskDrive takes over all the lead, contact, and account research so your sales organization can spend more time building relationships, booking meetings, and smashing revenue targets. Mark, you ready to dive in? I am indeed. I'm really looking forward to being here.
2: Awesome. How does your agency get results? So uh, our agency is a done for you research service. So we help our customers with all of the research. We onboard customers to understand who their ideal customer profiles are by personas and what they're actually using the data for. And then our team work 40 hours a week, just completing those research tasks. And then we send them to our the customers at the end of each week. So that's really how we work with all of our customers. Some customers just have one, researchers, one researcher, but other customers have eight researchers because they have a huge uh, team of SDRs, which we feed all- with all the data. Awesome. And
0: that's fairly unique. I haven't heard much of that before. Would you say that's what kind of is your big differentiator? What makes you different from other uh, information
2: agencies? I think so. That's that's one differentiator. The other one is that we actually care about your strategy. There's been times where I've turned away customers because they wanted all marketing managers in North America. But I said no, because if you send out emails to all marketing managers in, in North America, you're not going to get great results. What specifically about these accounts do you need to or want to be targeting. So we take more of a consultative approach to lead research. And we say no to some customers, which we don't think would be a good fit. Gotcha. So you're making sure that
0: the way you work is aligned with, you know, your customers' expectations and...
2: Yeah. And and another thing that we do as well is we jump in into, we don't actually do the outreach for our customers, but we advise them on their outreach, because the more successful they are in their cold cold out, their prospecting, the more they'll come back for the data. So it's within our, in our interest to help them get the best results with their outbound prospecting. Absolutely.
0: Productized pricing or custom?
2: Yeah, it's all productized on a weekly or monthly basis. Gotcha. Awesome. And who would you say is your ideal customer? I'd say B2B software companies or agencies that have a sales team of more than three people. And if their current sales team is spending time any time on research before starting the outbound campaigns they should be speaking to task Drive. awesome i love it very targeted it for helps. this
0: <laughs> absolutely for this first example we're going over today what industry is the your client in
2: yeah the client is in the fire inspection software industry very niche very what problem do they
0: solve and, and what do they sell
2: yeah, so they sell a software that allows fire inspection uh, companies to run their entire business. And the key problem that they solve is that they've turned a very paper, traditional paper-based industry into an online digital industry. So it's all about digital transformation for fire inspection companies. The biggest benefit for the inspection companies to use their software is that they can actually speed up the time it takes to pass an, an inspection, which means that they can actually... Um, get paid quicker. So mm. the, an example would be Morgan is the fire inspection company goes to a hotel, they see that one of the fire doors is broken, then they have to wait until that fire door is fixed. And somebody goes to inspect that it's fixed in order for them to get paid. And that's all done by paperwork and paperwork gets lost. So they've just digitized that. So everything's done online and there's an audit trail and it just speeds up the whole process.
0: Awesome. Helps them stay organized, keep their information together, all digital uh, mm-hmm. from a industry that's
2: Primarily pen and paper. Yeah, it's a huge industry because every public building needs to pass fire inspections on a regular basis. So it's a huge problem. Absolutely.
0: And there's there's regulations there, right? Indeed.
2: You mentioned who their
0: customers are. Do they have an ideal customer profile within that customer base? Or is it so niche that it's just kind of all these... Fire and ins- fire safety businesses. Yeah,
2: we looked to business. see we look to see whether there were differences between the ICPs were there certain characteristics. But it really was any fire inspection company that were in business because there weren't many solutions out there from a digital point of view.
0: Gotcha. OK. And when we, t- when we think about who the people they are actually reaching out to or the people you're researching at their target companies, who are you looking to get them in front of or who are they looking to research?
2: Yeah, so we the main campaign that we run was mainly aimed at the fire inspection managers. So these are the people that manage maybe teams of inspectors or manage the inspection process themselves. So middle management, not so much the owner of the business, but we did run some campaigns to the leadership as well.
0: Gotcha. So middle management and leadership, some Mm -hmm. to leadership. Gotcha. Now, I know just personally from being in sales and doing a lot of outbound prospecting that doing research on customer or on prospects is very beneficial, but incredibly time consuming, right? Mm -hmm. It is a painful problem for, you know, sales reps and, and some managers. When you're looking to do research on someone, what is like a high level process that you follow for pulling out that good information to use?
2: Yeah. So it really depends on what's going to be used in the campaign and how, what level of personalization the company is planning to do. Uh, but at a very high level, we want to identify the right c- accounts, first of all. So the ideal customer profiles, what are the characteristics of these companies, uh, which, what location are they in, what company size, what technology might they use, uh, how big are their departments. And then we want to look at the individuals and the personas within those accounts as well. So the first part of the process is let's identify the companies, first of all. And then let's identify the in, the individuals. Because if you just look for marketing managers, and I always use this example, mm-hmm. you can find thousands of marketing managers, but there's a marketing manager at a school and a marketing manager at a hospital. And there's also a marketing manager in a B2B software company and in a, in a fire inspection company. So it's all about finding the accounts first, then the individuals, and then working through the list to make sure that you're matching and finding the same job titles or similar job titles. Gotcha.
0: So... Where are you finding these people? Like what sorts of lead pools are you
2: digging into? So in this particular example, there was a few websites which listed fire inspection companies. So that was the first place. That's how we found the accounts. And then we would look on their website to see if they had a team page and also look for LinkedIn links. A lot of websites put their LinkedIn company profile on there. At the same time, we would then also look on LinkedIn for the fire inspection company name. So like you say, it's a time consuming process. And if you are an SDR that also has to make the phone calls and uh, send emails, then you only have a certain amount of time in a day, whereas our researchers do this eight hours a day. So that's why we can do this at volume.
0: Absolutely. What have you found to be the most beneficial information, you know, outside of company info, like location, size, size of company, size of team? any sort of information based on like
2: news or media or things that are like happening in the industry? So I talk a lot about triggers and signals. So looking for these things that are happening in the, at an individual level, at a persona level and also an account. So IPA. So on an individual level, it could be somebody's just started a new role, which means they're more likely to make a purchasing decision. It could also mean that this person has shared something on social media, which you could then use to start the conversation and personalize the outreach that way. From a persona point of view, by truly understanding your buyer personas, you know what they—you should know what their motivations and challenges are. You should also know what technology they use and also what industry events might be coming up and what news articles you may want to share, again, to start those conversations. And then on account level, it could be that they've just raised a round of funding. Uh, you know, fire inspection companies, that's not really a great trigger, but in other companies it is. Are they expanding to new locations? Are they launching new products? There's lots of different triggers and, and signals that you can look for. Awesome. That's really comprehensive. So I imagine when you know, you're providing this
0: information, people get you know a doc that just has everything that's going on in this company with these key people and also you know, the industry as a whole, it sounds like.
2: Yeah. What we usually say to our customers is we ask them to think about what, if they look at their previous customers or their current prospects in the pipeline, we say to them, what happened in their lives, both personal and professional before they signed up with you or before they reached out and started a conversation with your company, what is going on? Are they rapidly hiring new people and therefore need a new employee onboarding software or a HR benefits pack- uh, software? There are lots of these different things, but that's the question to ask yourself is what happens in my prospects life before they need me or us, or our solution.
0: Awesome. That's a great way to think about it. Typically, as salespeople, I know we, we tend to just think about, you know, we don't think before that. It's just like once we've made contact, once we have that first meeting, like, mm-hmm. you know, what's the conversation like? But something led up to that for them to agree to take that. There was some pain point there, something that needed to be solved. So um,
2: Yeah. And I think you know. going back to another trigger, if somebody's just started a new role, like I said, they're more likely to be purchasing or evaluating new vendors and, and new solutions if I had a list of a thousand people and I could see that 200 people out of that a thousand have recently started a new role, I would prioritize and start with those 200 and then work my way through the remaining 800 because I know I've got more chance of of having a positive conversation with somebody who is started, has started a new role and maybe evaluating different providers. Gotcha.
0: And, or what other high priority types of triggers are up there when, uh, as well as new role
2: using a new technology. So for example, if I was a sales coach and I could see that a company started using outreach or sales loft, then that would be a good time for me to say, I I can see you've started using outreach and you have to buy 10 licenses. So you've got a team. Does this team need training? Does that team need support? Another thing is currently hiring. So if a company is hiring into their sales team, for example, or into any team, they're usually expanding or replacing somebody who's left. So that's another good time to start a conversation quite important compared to a company who isn't hiring and they're not going to be making any big purchasing decisions made because they've got budget freezes. Mm-hmm. So if you know the ones that are hiring haven't got budget or may not have budget freezes, there's just a higher chance. There's just a higher likability uh, that they're going to be um, interested in buying something from you.
0: It sounds like a lot of these things have to do with growth, right? Hiring, new technology, Um, looking for sort of like growth indicators in these accounts with these people. You mentioned like finding technology. What does your stack look like, like your research stack look like for being able to find all these bits of information?
2: Yeah, I'm a little bit like Rain Man when it comes to remembering all these. So if it's technology that I'm looking for and I want to see when I want to get live alerts and live updates when people start using new technology, then I'll use something like similar tech SimilarTech allows you to set up an alert, and you can put in parameters like the geography must be the US, their website must have more than ten thousand visits per month, and these are the two technologies I'm looking for them, or the three or four technologies I'm looking. And it will send you an alert every week to say, or even every day if you want to, here are twenty companies that just started using Drift, mm. or here, here are twenty companies that just installed Hotjar on their website. So uh, so similar tech is great for that. However, if you wanted to look holistically and say which e-commerce stores are using Shopify as their e-commerce platform, then you can use a tool like Built With, uh, which has a database of all this, which you can query the database and then export all of the results. Awesome. These are even things that will put you
0: or whoever's using this information puts them ahead of, let's say, an SDR, puts them ahead of other SDRs because they're not having to, ask questions or figure out like you know what kind of crm do you use right yeah what sort of outreach tools do you use it's like can make it more personalized and what i've noticed with outreach just uh, from a firsthand basis is that not just personalization but relevance right it's it's all about relevance all this stuff you're talking about is relevance like it's cool to talk about if Tug on like a personal thing, like, you know, maybe, you know, a musician, somebody likes likes. that Mm -hmm. stuff works. But when it comes to like solving business problems, relevance, like you're talking about personalizing with business value is ideal. So um, I'm 100% with you on that.
2: And I think as well, you know, most businesses and most teams and departments have a very common goal. They either need more of something or less of something that could be Mm -hmm. more revenue, less churn. It could be more staff and and less and more of a a retention of staff as well. So there's a number of, there's always a push and pull that you can go and and make a a relevant point about. And I'll give an example. I was prospected by a very well known um, sales technology company. Prospecting was great. The messaging was good. It sounded of interest. I was was interested to find out more because they help revenue leaders like me understand more about XYZ. And that was something I, I was interested in. We got to about the third or fourth email exchange and, in, and he said by the way do you use salesforce as your crm and i said no we don't we use pipe drive and he was like ah we only work with salesforce and i was like mm. all right cool um <laughs> i'll let you know if we use salesforce but you know wasted and, and i was a number in his pipeline and i was a number in on his kpis that he was hitting his quota with because i was a qualified lead and looking like i'm going to book a call but then it turned out I didn't because it hadn't, I wasn't researched properly. I was qualified, right. well, qualified in terms of title and a few other things, but he didn't do the, the research at the beginning um, because it wasn't worth starting a conversation with me because I didn't use one of the criteria that they needed. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And like you said, there's a number attached to that in his pipeline that was, you know, it really wasn't actually there, right? Because no. you checked other boxes on his sheet, but. Um, one of the deal breakers was the CRM. So mm-hmm. um, you definitely see how this not only helps with outreach, but outreach to the right people, right? You exactly. know, like there's a lot of wasted time with outreach that is just, I've done it before, like uh, people who just aren't good prospects, you know, find that out till later after you do a little mm-hmm. bit more research. And when it comes to finding things out, you mentioned a couple tools with technology. Are there any with, you know, company or industry news yeah. in
2: particular that you... So again, Morgan, you're asking the right questions. I, I love these questions. So um, <laughs> when it comes to company information, if, if it's rounds of funding and emerging, mergers and acquisitions activity, then Crunchbase is a great tool. I actually bought Crunchbase. I was an, as a sales rep. I bought it out of my own pocket So it was quite a big expense for me for the year, though. But I made that money back straight away because I was able to target people who had just raised a round of funding. And therefore, I knew that their objectives and their challenges had changed. And we had the solution to help them, uh, especially if they had a sales led approach to their go to market. So Crunchbase is great. There's another uh, website or platform called Owler. Aula allows you to put in a list of accounts and then you can follow those accounts and it gives you information about different things that happen, like mergers and acquisitions, new offices, uh, industry news. They have a free tier, which you could just get to Crypto and decide whether it's something for you. Uh, If you've got more to spend or your company does, then LeadSift is an intent data platform that I highly recommend. That actually tells you companies who are speaking to your competitors or engaging with your competitors Um, or engaging with keywords, which is related to your business and your industry. And then the simplest one, or two more actually, Morgan, one of the simplest ones are Google alerts. So you can just set up a news alert for company names or people's names. Obviously, if it's John Smith or if it's Coca-Cola, you're going to get lots of news. But if it's it's smaller or a more unique name, then it will work for you. And then there's social media listening tools like uh, Awario, A-W-A-R-I-O. And Awario allows you to put in alerts. And one example that I would uh, recommend for this, for Awario or any social listening is, what CRM do you recommend? I must see that question hundreds of times a month (laughs) on Facebook groups, on Twitter, on LinkedIn. Um, So you can actually search for these alerts. And then if you reach out to people who are talking about the solution or asking questions about the solution you offer, then you don't even need to send any cold emails. You just start the co- you just continue the conversation with those. Sure. So it kind of flips prospecting on the he- on its head because you've got this signals and this intent.
0: I love it. I love it. Awareio, that's interesting. So when it comes to using this, you know, we've got this rich set of information that your team provides. How do we then use that information in outreach? And how has that been used with your client?
2: Yeah, so in fact, the client that we had the really good success with, the one that we're talking about now, we didn't actually use any of this sophisticated stuff because they were in such a unique position that they were in a niche industry and they were one of the only software providers out there. The biggest objection that they faced was that in the past, there was another software that was really crap and people were then put off. These companies are very traditional paper-based companies. They tried software in the past and it didn't quite work. And I just think mainly that the, the adoption wasn't there and, and people weren't used to software five years ago, like they are now. Right. Um, people who were adverse to technology are using Uber or watching YouTube to learn stuff, you know, so we're just more familiar with technology, more comfortable. In this case, we didn't actually use any kind of triggers and signals, but if I was, um, I may reference the fact that I saw the news or I read the update. I might actually engage with that post on social media if, if it's something that's been shared by that, by, by that prospect. There's a fine line between stalking people and being <laughs> and being persistent and uh, not being creepy. Right. At Taskrive, we've certainly had a few requests from customers where, ethically, we weren't too comfortable doing it, so we decided not to work with them. An example being, one customer asked us to look at people's Facebook. They had a list of Facebook profiles and they wanted us to look at their profile photos and categorise them to say whether they go on holidays, if they if they go and socialise, do they drink? If they drink, do they drink beer, mm. cocktails, wine? And we were just like, this is just a bit too, too, too far for what we want to do. It's about starting the conversation with the relevancy of the trigger or of the signal that you've come across. And one last thing, Morgan, if you're targeting sales or marketing people in, I don't want to say more futuristic industries, but you could target a salesperson and say, hey, I saw that somebody on, uh, from your company was on our website and it wouldn't freak them out. Or you could say that to a marketer. However, if you said to like a nurse or a teacher, like, "Hey, I saw that you're on our website, and now I'm emailing you because you're on our website," it may throw them off a little bit because they're not—they're just, just not that yeah, aware yeah. of that technology or those solutions. So you do have to kind of adjust the messaging based on the the audience that you're that you're trying to start conversations with.
0: Sure, sure, absolutely. It's like um, in this sort of sales and marketing technology type world, a lot of times you can forget that you know. A lot of people don't know about any of this stuff. No. Like I had someone that got really upset with me because I found their email address Yeah, using like yeah. a regular tool. Like I forget what I was using, but something like um, find that lead or any one of the now, you know, just a couple of years ago, but any one of the now like hundred tools you can use to find an email address mm-hmm. and just showed them like, didn't believe me. And I like showed a video like, Hey, I went to this website yeah. and putting your name and your domain and I got your email. but uh, um. Absolutely. I,
2: I had somebody thank me for sending an email in her morning when she knew that I was in London and she was in Australia. And I was like, mm. no, I didn't wait up to send it at the time. <laughs> I, I scheduled it so it would be, be in your inbox in the morning, not at 2am sort of thing. So, but it reminds me of a quote by Derek Sivers, which is obvious to you, amazing to others. And I think there's a lot of things that we know sure. as salespeople who are based in our company and the solution that we sell. And also, just our experience in general that not everybody else does, and we find it so obvious, but um, it is can be amazing to others. Absolutely. For this
0: client, you didn't need all of the you know research mm-hmm. information. You were just calling out. Mentioned you were calling out this this past company and mentioning mm-hmm. that. We didn't With call that? out the
2: company, so okay. we, we didn't want to talk bad about a particular decision or remind people of it. Sure. Um, but we just knew that that would be an objection, so we used okay. words such as like. Easy to use or uh, intuitive, and just words to describe to preempt the objection that people may have about using a different software. Gotcha. What were some of the responses like to that? We had eighty-four percent open rate, which is really good. It shows awesome. that the the subject line was great, and obviously the research was correct. But what I was impressed with even more was that we had sixty-three percent reply rates. I'd say around forty percent of those were positive. The others were no, not interested, or not now. Uh, but that was still a good reply to have for, sure. for our client because they could then manage those people in, in a separate campaign. Of those replies, the majority being positive and people wanted to find out more. And I think that's an important thing as well, Morgan. The, the call to action was, would you like to find out more or would you like to find out how the software is helping companies like you save time, save money, You know, the value proposition. It wasn't asking for a demo, even though that's right. what the company yes. wanted. We wanted to, to book demos but we just wanted to see whether they were interested first of all.
0: Absolutely. Engaging them and starting a conversation before asking for time. Mm -hmm. So that was your CTA. What did your sequence look like?
2: How many steps? Was it all email? This one was all email, yes. So email only. I do like to try different channels as well. But sometimes when we work with different clients, we have to, because we're not doing the outreach, um, Mm -hmm. we're not managing that for them. We have to just work with what they're, with what they're doing but in this case we sent out a sequence of five emails over a six to seven week period but if i'm honest we actually had to stop the campaign a couple of times because they just had too much inbound that they couldn't deal with Mm -hmm. and they ended up hiring somebody and then restarting the campaign just because if i'm being honest i didn't expect to get that much of a reply rate because that is a phenomenal reply rate especially when the volume we were sending was pretty high as well
0: sure so they had to stop or pause because of mm-hmm. the leads that were coming in. The yeah, they were, were, coming in. they
2: were just dropping dropping the ball because they just had so many leads coming through and they just didn't have the capacity or the resource internally to deal with all those inbounds from, 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 the, from, the, from the prospecting.
0: A, those a good problems
2: to have. Definitely, definitely. What
0: were you using to send those emails?
2: Io is what okay. we used. Yeah. Cool. The reason we used reply is because um, they were using Salesforce as their CRM. And Reply's integration with Salesforce is, is really, really strong. And it's a, a Reply is a lot cheaper than the likes of Outreach and SalesOff, which are equally great, but they're probably a little bit more robust than Reply. However, Outreach usually has a typical license where you have to have at least five licenses at a time to, to start using them. So Reply is great for somebody who's looking for a sophisticated and a good integration for Salesforce and they want to use it for their outbound prospecting.
0: Awesome. The copy and the emails, can you give us an idea of kind of like what that looked like in these five emails?
2: Yeah, sure. So I've always taken the approach for follow-up to follow-up with value and and adding additional context. So the follow-ups weren't like, hey, just seeing if you saw my last email or did you get my last email or (laughs) like nothing to make somebody feel bad that they didn't reply, which I feel a lot of the the follow-ups are. Mm -hmm. We use the P a S formula. So the pain, agitation and solve. And I can share this with you after Morgan, if you want to include it in the, uh, in the show sure. notes, but the email was, uh, if I just read it out quickly, amongst the many challenges of growing your industry name business, the time it takes to generate reports is often the biggest hurdle to overcome. You might even miss out on revenue opportunities as, when you can't easily manage these deficiencies So with our software, um, you get a preloaded industry standard questions that help you with compliance. On top of that, all time consuming tasks are automated, saving you time and to help you focus your manpower on growing your business. Would you be interested in finding out how your company can benefit from a solution like this? That was one of the variations. I've had to change it slightly because this was for a customer, but that's along the lines of the uh, pitch that we used for the first email.
0: Awesome. So in all of these emails, you are using that formula and kind of tugging at a different pain point they might have.
2: Yeah. So that was more about time. The next follow-up was more about the compliance issues, the second follow-up email. So we have the first pitch, then you have first follow-up, second follow-up. The third was about uh, paper, paper paper-based versus digital. And then the fourth was a little bit producty, probably A bit too producty but we actually got quite a lot of replies on that fourth follow-up email because we actually showed what the product could do from a from a digital point of view and people then i think some people like okay i get it now because maybe we didn't explain the full features because you don't want to pitch and put the full you don't want to put every feature in that first email so if your if your software solves four core problems you've got your four follow-up emails um, you just describe one of the problems and paint how it's uh, how it can be solved and what the benefits of solving that problem are. And that's your four follow-up emails. A lot of gotcha. companies don't look at it that way. They just try and bullet point their four yes. uh, benefits in, in the first email. And they're shooting themselves in the foot, really.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's just taking a more narrow, focused approach and just getting one point across in one email is much better than just the blanket. <laughs> <laughs> here's everything we do. What do you think? Well,
2: here's the... F- Here's the thing as well, Morgan, right? We, we all know how to use a computer now. We all know how to use Google. I can see in your signature that you've got your website link attached. Right. So I'll just click on that and have a look. And if I'm interested, I'll say, actually, I should speak to Morgan. If I'm not interested, I'm not going to speak to you. because right. Not because I don't like Morgan or I don't like his company. It's just that it's not a need for me right now or not a priority for me right now.
0: Right, right. Absolutely. You're like looking for those priorities you know, when you email people trying to figure out, you know, is, is this the issue or problem they're solving right now? Is the timing right? That sort of thing.
2: Yeah. So when you know that a company has just raised a round of funding, let's say it's their series A and they've said that they're going to use this money for the, to scale the business, sales is going to be one of the key areas that they're going to spend money. I know that they have a pain and I know that they're going to have a need for research so they can do their own prospecting. So task drive, for example, is the perfect time for me to talk to those people. I'm not just going after all founders or all VP of sales. I'm just going to go after those people who have raised a round of funding because I know that they have a pain point.
0: I have a question on, you know, your clients specifically, or just the clients you bring in, what interview process do they go through for you guys to figure out, you know, to pull out that information to use or do you, yeah. do you do that?
2: Yeah, so we have a discovery process and and it's a kind of a qualification slash discovery call. It's more of a consultation, to be honest, with the customer. They walk away with us giving them value and they're not even paying for that. But it's more like, what do you do? What do you offer? What challenge do you help overcome? Who do you help solve that, that challenge for? I ask that question, you know, what happens to those prospects before they need a solution like yours? And then automatically my brain's going... Okay, so the new technology lookup playbook is going to be good for them, the Aula, the account-based um, insights, that's going to be good, and potentially the new role is going to be good. And there's 15 of these playbooks that I've created and, and implemented at TaskDrive that the whole company is now trained up on, and they're all these different triggers. Uh, we follow the process to find that information. Awesome.
0: And for this one, did you, you wrote the emails for them, is
2: that right? This one we did, yeah, it goes, good detective work there. So we actually used to do outbound done-for-you campaigns for our customers. But one thing that we found as a, a lead generation company doing that, we had no control how they closed companies or no control what they did after that, that positive response came through. And then I saw there's an opportunity that no one focuses on the research as much as we do. And I think that we should just spend our time getting very, very good at one thing rather than getting good at research and also getting good at outbound, but we just couldn't control what happened after the the prospecting emails went out. And we had customers that we were receiving the positive replies and it was taking them a week, 10 days, 12 days to respond. (laughs) And we're sitting here going like, we're doing doing our job and we're exceeding expectations and our customers are letting us down, unfortunately, on on a few campaigns. And it just caused, you know, the team weren't motivated when that happened as well. So, I made the decision to just offer uh, lead research and data enrichment as a service. Awesome. I love
0: that pivot uh, mm-hmm. because it definitely is necessary. It's funny because it's necessary for companies that understand what good outreach looks like. And, and mm. you're not going to pay for research services unless you are following up with leads and selling to them. Like, there's just no way exactly. you're dead. so
2: you're you... exactly. And- yeah. And also it helped us move a little bit up market because we'd then start to work with companies that had 10 or sure. 15 SDRs because one of our researchers could replace the research time that two of their SDRs were spending each day. So there was benefits to work with larger companies, which helped us increase our deal size as well. Awesome. I know you have another example from an influencer campaign. Mm. Yeah. So this was um, for another client, we were attempting to pitch them on podcasts and We were reaching out to relevant podcasts and I can read through the template. Mm -hmm. Um, Now I wrote these emails as if I was the individual that, so he was pitching himself, but I was doing the pitching for him and we got a 72% open rate and a 38% reply rate. However, the majority of those 38% replies turned into interviews booked on the podcast. And that Morgan was kind of the moment I thought, ah, I'm kind of good at this and I think I can offer this to other people. And that's why I started Speak On Podcasts, which is uh, the new business that I am um, leading at the moment. Awesome.
0: And you said you said that was seventeen
2: percent of replies turned into. No, so seventy-two percent open rate. Okay. Thirty-eight percent reply rate. Got it. And the majority of those replies, because we weren't sending huge volume, because right. obviously, if I sent out, there's not a thousand podcasts for that person to go on. And even if I sent out a hundred at one time, and and I had. 38 come back to me he's not going to have enough time to do 38 interviews in the period so we we kind of staggered it out and it turned out the majority of the replies were positive and they wanted to book the client on their podcast
0: awesome and at a high level what did that kind of process look like for identifying podcasts Yeah,
2: yeah so the identification of the podcast is a real mixture of looking for the audience that our customer wanted to get in front of. So in this case, it was e-commerce companies, companies in the e-commerce world. They offer live chat support for e-commerce brands, live chat and other things for for e-commerce. So we knew e-commerce was the thing. And then we wanted to focus on e-commerce podcasts, which were focused on growing, not people who had just started e-commerce. So not the how to get your first sale type of e-commerce podcast, but more, you know, how to go from six figures to seven figures and podcasts that focus really on the higher end of of growth because that's really when they have a need for international 24 7 support and they're not currently offering it so that's where our client could help them the most so thought of the audience then we thought of the topics and the i guess the keywords and then we merged those together to find and shortlist relevant podcasts for our client
0: awesome What, what did the outreach to those hosts look like
2: and that's what's great about outreach as well. Just while I find this uh, template, outreach sure. doesn't have to be all about sales. It could be about joint ventures, is it partnerships? And, and when you send partnership messages, you're going to get more reply, uh, replies as well oh, because absolutely. you're sending a, a commercial email to a commercial person. Then there's also the influencer and joint venture when it comes to working with other marketing teams and co-branding stuff. I've even prospected the fact that I could speak at a conference and I managed to go to Bali and speak at a conference. Nice. So like it's it, it can be used for anything.
0: I've noticed those emails for other, like you mentioned, like non, I don't know how to describe it. I don't want to say transactional outreach, but outreach outside of like sales outreach. It's much more well received by a greater yeah. number of people, you know, yeah. podcasts, you know, partnership stuff for sure. So um, I agree, there's definitely ways to indirectly sell your stuff right like Mm -hmm. your client wants to sell something but he's not going direct in this way he's going to a place where his people hang out hang out and then get his message in front of him that way
2: i also like to think about from a partnership point of view is like who else works with my customers or who else solves a problem which is a different problem to what i solve but we solve it for the same audience and then whose job finishes where mine starts so I used to build out marketing automation um, pl- uh, setups for for companies. So I would go and work closely with PPC agencies because mm. I knew that they'd be driving a ton of traffic, or well, the good ones will, a ton of traffic to B two B SaaS companies. Yet that company may not have the automation on the back end to nurture and really get the most out of that new traffic that they've got. So it was always a very good introduction when the PPC agency introduced me because I would then go in and then fix their back end. To make sure that they captured as many, many of those new leads that they were acquiring because they just turned on the paid ads. So think about where your job starts, where someone else's finishes is, is a really good, really good tip. A great but way f- to think about it. I found that email as well. So the subject line was awesome episode, pretty, pretty vague. Um, but that did well in terms of the open rate with 72%. Mm-hmm. And so again, this is coming from this is me writing it as the person who wants to be on the podcast. So it says, I just want to say thank you for producing the podcast name. I particularly enjoyed the episode with guest name where you talked about, and then there was a personalized snippet based on the individual podcast, the podcast episode, sorry. I was wondering if you're currently looking for new guests for your podcast, question mark. My company uh, helps, and then give the service description. Would your audience be interested in learning more about topics related to e-commerce, for example? I also like to talk about a b and c so three other topics that would be also be relevant to an e-commerce podcast audience and then the final question is would any of these topics be a good fit for your podcast audience if yes let me know which topic you'd like to talk about and we can go from there looking forward to hearing from you soon
0: i can tell you i've i've received podcast pitches before and i would definitely respond to that one because most of them out there are not good like mm-hmm. they're just like they're not relevant and they're just like hey you you know talk to people and put it on the internet here's this person
2: yeah <laughs> you know what i yeah. mean
0: here's their bio even though it's just not relevant they didn't contextualize it at all but that's that's excellent
2: so we speak on podcasts as well so i joined forces with jacob who, who mm-hmm. i know that you'll you know as well and um we've both spent years doing outbound uh, outbound marketing or outbound sales And we're just trying to think, you know, what do podcast hosts want to hear? And it's just that relevancy. It's the same as what a prospect would want to hear. So uh, we're starting a lot of our emails with like, here's why Adam would be relevant to your show, Morgan. Mm -hmm. And we're just going straight in and it is pitching a little bit too early. We would like to take it back a little bit and not pitch so soon. But at the same time, we we are here to generate results for our customers. And we truly believe because we've done the right research that this podcast guest would be a good guest for, for your podcast. And I'm not sure. Did you see just the other day the follow-up email that Jacob sent out, which was published on LinkedIn by a podcast host? Morgan, uh,
0: I did not. What was that?
2: Okay, so one of our follow-ups, Jacob singing a song, and he's singing oh. it. Di- he's singing it directly to the podcast host and, and referencing the guests that we've just pitched them. Um, so maybe I can send you the link on, on LinkedIn. Put he, it in the show. Yeah, notes.
0: I, I'd I'd love to take a look at that. I know he sent me a few weeks ago, maybe even a month ago sent me, we were talking in, in Facebook Messenger about follow ups and stuff. And he mm-hmm. sent me a song <laughs> he made, too. So, yeah,
2: it gets attention, you know, people don't do that. Exactly. And, and honestly, it's really not that hard to stand out. As you said, the, the amount of podcast pitches that you get, which just are not relevant. They don't motivate you or they don't inspire you to respond. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't take that much to. And I'm not saying that you have to record a, a video of you singing a song but it just doesn't take that much to stand out and be a bit different. Awesome. And where did
0: you find the podcast to pitch to and the contact um, info?
2: The contact info. So uh, we use a different a few different tools. So um, iTunes and, or, or Google Podcasts would be a good place to start to find the right podcast. There's also a website called Listen Notes. Listen Notes, if you have an account, you can actually get the email address. If you can't find the email address, the great thing about Podcast Hosts, Morgan, as you'll know, is Every podcast host wants to be found and discovered. A lot of podcast hosts will actually put their email address on their website or they'll have a LinkedIn profile, which is easy to find yet again, because they'll say podcast host of whatever podcast it is. And then we'll use something like um, seamless.ai um, or snov, .io to look for the email address there. Got it one of those hundreds of tools as you mentioned yeah,
0: earlier. <laughs> yeah. there's so many out there yeah. um i've used both of those too. though those are those are really good especially seamless you can even get phone numbers yeah
2: no, that's right. really good seamless
0: really good. is a really good tool and then on just the subsequent follow-ups for the podcast to the mm-hmm. podcast hosts what's the gist of kind of like what those look like
2: Yes. Yeah, so we often will take a piece of social media, a social media post from one of our customers and share that with them because we want to demonstrate the value that our guests could give to their audience. If they've previously appeared on a podcast, we'll send the interview across to them and say, you know, seven minutes and 19 seconds in, he talks about the topic that we mentioned in the first email. So mm. it's like super relevant. We've really done our homework on, on the research of the right podcasts and, and the right topics. We'll also talk about we mix it up a little bit and just say like how we support our guests to make sure that they're fully prepared for each interview and also how they're going to promote that interview after. Mm. And that's something that we're still working through as a business at the moment: is how do we systemize that? But also, I think I, I sent you the bio page that we have for right. all of our customers as well. Most people send a PDF. I don't look at PDFs or like a, or they get or they get blocked in the emails. Um, so again doesn't take much to be different, but it certainly stands out when you do.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And then a quick question I had from the first client as we wrap up here. I forgot to ask, did they give you information from their end on like meeting book rate, sales generated, things like that, like stats from their side uh, yes. based on the campaign?
2: Yes, they did. So they were, mani- they were managing to close around 40%, if I remember correctly. Nice which we were happy with. And I would have loved to have uh, done a bit of coaching with them to see if they could improve that, but it wasn't really my place to say or had the time to offer that. True. Um, 40% was what they were closing, but some of the deals they were closing were, were sizable. They added millions onto their ARR for their business. So it was, it was an awesome campaign.
0: Awesome. Love that. Love to hear it. Mm-hmm. Mark, I think the thing that most stuck out to me with or stuck out to me with both these examples of of clients that you've worked with is the fact that doing that upfront research, personalizing the message and contextualizing it for, you know, their business or their podcast, right? Whatever that person is interested in. And I think you do a really good job of having, getting in that person's shoes, having empathy for them and bringing them a very targeted message to respond to. So you make, you make it easy to say yes. So
2: mm-hmm. and, awesome. and Chet Holmes said in, in his book back in the eighties, I think it was that only 3% of your market are actively buying 90% of your market aren't actively buying. There's a small percentage that might be open to it, but the majority aren't. So if you can understand that stat and then take a thousand prospects, which you just scrape out of a list of LinkedIn, for example, only 3% of those thousand people that you just found are going to be buying. Why not spend a little bit more time trying to identify that 3% and only send an email to 30 people and see and start with that 30. And if it doesn't work, then try a different trigger, try a different signal and then work your way through the list. But if I was an SDR working this day in day out, I would be prioritizing my list based on signals and starting with those people and then kicking back when I've hit quota before the end of the month. Love it. Mark Colgan. Thank you, man. Appreciate the time. Very helpful.
0: Cheers, Morgan. Thank you so much. All right. Take it easy. Bye-bye. I really hope you enjoyed this one. Mark is incredibly detailed and analytical in his approach to uh, sales research. He's always looking for that extra edge. I know that I can definitely take what I learned. In this one and apply it immediately. Uh, if you have any questions about this episode, uh, ideas on what could be better, or even a suggestion on what I should talk about next, please send me an email to Morgan at That's M O R G A N at MorganD, like David, W I L L I A M S.com. Thanks for listening.